Welcome to the 10th of May 2027 recap episode of the UR Team Number Podcast. My name is Michael Armstrong, and joining me as always is the Canadian who would never be so rebellious as to throw water balloons, Logan Saunders. Afternoon. You can tweet us at Yattencast or um, using the hashtag Yattencast or email us at yattencast at gmail.com. And this is a bit of a come down episode from last week, sadly. But we get a nighttime leg? It was a bit linear for my liking, but we get a nighttime leg and a very disappointing elimination. But everything would be a disappointing elimination, because I really like the Final Five. Yeah, that's pretty pretty much the same thing. Like, when Ben and I say that, like, Joey and Kelsey are, are our least favorites out of those remaining, I mean, we still like them. It's just that with this group of five, somebody has to be ranked at the bottom. And unfortunately, just in our eyes, we have Joey and Kelsey at the bottom. But really, it can be interchangeable. And I'm, I'm going to be mildly upset with whoever goes. And... I'm not going to be mildly upset regardless of whoever wins. And I actually can't think of a Final Five in recent memory that I've liked as much as this one. Yeah, you don't have anybody that's like whoring for the camera, whoring for attention, or being super one-dimensional with the light that's flashing yellow, or going for the whole sympathy story. These are, you know, five legit teams that I can get behind. And it's very rare for me to be completely on the train of a team who's dominating the season. I am not mm-hmm. usually this bullish on a team who dominates so much. Yeah, when you contrast them with, say, somebody like Nick and Star, where you think, wow, Nick and Star winning, you know, 7 out of 11 legs, uh, that was pretty much worse, close to worst-case scenario that season, other than if, say, you know, Kelly and Christy won 7 legs in uh, Amazing Race 13. But here we have a team where they're dominating, maybe even... Like, we're at the point now where there is an argument to be said that we're looking at a team that's even stronger than Mark and Rue Wilson or Eric and Jeremy and some of the other teams that have uh, been at the top of the leaderboard uh, over the years. They are one of only two teams in Amazing Race International history to get five legs in a row, may I point out. Yes, which is extremely impressive. When you think about, like, they've won seven legs total now, and you have to put in perspective that the three legs they lost, one was because of really bad luck with the fast forward uh, in terms of the wind conditions, and they still had a and they used up all their money had to get a free taxi ride back and still beat two other teams to the pit stop in the first leg, and then you have the foot race with Tanner and Josh they only lost by a couple of minutes, and then you have the relay express pass that if if wasn't in play that round. You know, that's another win they would have had, and we would have been talking about them winning seven legs in a row at this point. So this is how close we, yes, this is how close we are to a team winning all ten legs up to this point, which is pretty insane. I think I think I would say that they're even stronger than Mark and Rubilson. I, I would have to watch Amazing Race Ukraine to see how Valerie and Bodhanna did in the five legs they won in a row, but... This is as close to a perfect game as anybody has played on the Amazing Race thus far. Even more dramatically, the last time any of these teams beat Justin and Diana was leg one, and that was only because of the fast forward. None of these teams have beaten Justin and Diana in any leg since leg one. That is ridiculous domination. Crazy. Mm -hmm. That is a stat that we have never been able to use, ever. (laughs) And you got to think, too, that this is the first season to have three U-turns, Justin and Diana have been the clear target at each U-turn. Like, if any of the other teams got to the U-turn board, I'm pretty much certain that, you know, Justin and Diana would be doing the other side of the detour. 
And they've had to counter that by being the first ones to the U-turn board every single time. So there's so many bad breaks they could have had so far, but they've just uh, avoided it, and they've been winning all these legs pretty much by pure skill. There hasn't been, like, I would say the only time they've had really good luck with getting first place so far is with getting that really early flight to Poland a few rounds ago. But other than that, you know, there's you can't really point to saying, oh, they had a lucky break here or a lucky break there. They've had to really work hard to keep this lead each time. And I mentioned this quite a while ago in the season now, but Justin and Diana have still been the first team every time to get to the next country. There hasn't been a single country this season that they have not been the first ones to set foot in there. And we've only got two countries left. Yeah. Arguably, they didn't mention Macau next week, but Macau is next week. So I will have a bit of experience next week at least. Yay. But that's just insane. And from my experience, they probably will have, depending on how far there is, or how much time there is between Justin and Diana and Kelsey and Joey, it's entirely possible Justin and Diana could get a separate flight again. They could be the first ones and and the only ones to touch down in uh, Hong Kong on that first flight. And then there's an equalizer on the way to Macau. <laughs> well, the ferries are pretty regular, actually, so it's entirely possible that Justin and Dana could get to the final three without actually seeing another team next week. Just from my experience, at least, of doing both the ferries reluctantly and stupidly and flying into Hong Kong. It's not out of the question, put it that way. So so we're close to about 70 international seasons, and this is one of only two times where a team has won five rounds in a row. Yeah, next week they are going for the worldwide record, and the nearest team to them in average is Kelsey and Joey, who have nearly double their average. Justin and Dana are on a straight 2.0 at the moment. Megan and Shane. Which does put them equal with Megan and Shane. Next week they basically go to try and beat Mark and Kat, and then Dave and Rachel, if they win the next two legs. So that's a pretty impressive record. They could still finish the season with equal fourth, average-wise, of the world. Mm -hmm. That ninth-place finish is just going to haunt them for a long time if they do get all these records, except for that elusive one with Mark and Revealson. Excluding that, they would be way ahead of Mark and Revealson. They would be shooting for, like, 1.2, I think, something like that. Which is insane. So, I guess we have an episode to talk about. There's four other teams in this. Uh, So previously, six teams raced to Agra India. Tanner and Josh both had to do the roadblock as their non-elimination penalty. Still not calling it a speed bump because it was not a speed bump. Uh, Sending them to the back of the pack. Justin and Diana stacked up at the detour while the others weighed up at the other side. And Logan and Chris were cut up about the potential of being U-turned. But it was Kelsey and Joey who took out Team Texas instead. Uh, Justin and Diana won yet another leg and equaled the consecutive leg win record. And Tahana and Josh were the ones to check out. And teams must now travel to the Kachura Bazaar and search for their next clue. Caution, for the first time ever, a third U-turn is ahead. We should point out there was a question from last week where somebody was wondering uh, why we didn't bring up the whole Catholic and Christian thing with Joey and Kelsey. And I know a lot of people say, oh... Catholicism and Christianity are the same thing, but there is one point important distinction, as we found out this season, which I mentioned online, which is, correct me if I'm wrong on this, Michael, Catholics don't wear hats inside of buildings or churches while Christians do. That is the main dogmatic difference, if I recall correctly. As a Catholic, I was always taught that guys don't wear hats in churches and uh, girls do. Do the women wear their own name? Uh, on the hat inside the church. 
monogrammed baseball caps are encouraged, yes. <laughs> and uh, may I also point out that it's not exactly unprecedented to have a third U-turn in a season because we should just talk about Hammerhorst there, which has a U-turn every single leg. Yeah, I love that that was on the Wikipedia page right after the episode aired where they said, this is the first time in the American franchise, but not the first time in an international franchise. Oh, no, it's really not. <laughs> I was expecting, like, finger snaps to be worked into the Wikipedia uh, section of the page. Australia, too, had at least two U-turns. Probably, like, two U-turns and a yield would be my guess. So, yeah, whilst it's a pleasant surprise to see a third U-turn and a single U-turn still because that then leads on to another record later in the leg. It's not exactly unprecedented. Especially when you think of Yields 2, which are a very similar twist. Like in, well, well, in the fifth season when they debuted the Yield, there was one on every single leg. And back then, people were a lot nicer about the Yield, where they were chipping Kim didn't use until the absolute last one against Colin and Christie. And then in the sixth season, they dropped it down to three Yields, and people used each of the three Yields, if I'm not mistaken, and I think they kept it around two or three for the next few seasons until the U-turn came about. And then all of a sudden, it's 16 seasons in a row of only having two U-turns while I've been long advocating for there to be at least around four in a season. So I think that would be a, a good number. Make it sort of like the, I don't mean to harp on the fast forward uh, dismissal or anything from the old school days, but... With the U-turn, like in the American, with the American version, you can use one ordinary one and an infinite number of the blind ones, but they should have it, they should slightly tweak it and have this for the Canadian version as well, where they have, say, four or five U-turns set up in a season, but you can only use it once regardless of what type of U-turn it is. And then it's sort of like having a variant of the fast, old fast forward twist where you just have to figure out when's the right time to use it, as opposed to pretty much any international version where in Canada you can use it no matter what type it is and then with the American version you use an ordinary one and then hope that the next one you see in the season is going to be a blind U-turn. I like them doing a little bit of a switch up we talked about this last week with their switching up of uh, putting a single U-turn in there switching up the non-elimination penalty not a speed bump. It's not the speed bump. Keeping the teams on their toes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, they go off to the Randy Couture Bazaar. I was expecting Randy Couture, a popular East Indian UFC fighter, to be signing autographs, but sadly he wasn't there. Sadly he wasn't, and instead they were greeted by a roadblock, which is, who's full of hot air? And actually the balloons wouldn't have been filled with hot air, but it's a, a minor point. Uh, in mm-hmm. this roadblock, one team member must blow up enough balloons to fill the nets and then ride it across the bridge to a wedding planner. Who will give them an next clue? And the wedding planner isn't JLo, so that was a that was a good thing. I was worried that JLo was suddenly going to appear, and I'm thinking, oh, the amazing race is descending into using celebrities, but thank goodness they avoided that. Yep. And Justin, Joey, Logan, Tiffany, and James L do the roadblock, which does mean that next week, regardless of what happens, Logan has to do the next roadblock because it's four six their balance. Because mm. I was looking at this earlier. Chris has to do it? or No, Chris has done six roadblocks. Then why were they debating about who had to do it then? That's why she said to him, you're not even looking at it, I have to do it. Oh yeah, and she did she do the last one as well? Um, The laundry one? No, Chris did it. Okay, so that's why they were even bickering back in the Poland leg about who has to do it, because Logan was like, oh, you know, I was a waitress you know, with all these plates, I should... Uh, I should for sure do this. You know, this is directly tied into my profession. Then you have Chris jumping in there who 
wanted to do the roadblock anyway. So no, we need really... balance. Logan <laughs> really shouldn't be doing that with my throat at the moment, but Logan. <laughs> so it was already six three going into this episode, which means they really, if it's any sort of weakness, or like if so, if Logan chokes on any of these last few roadblocks, that's almost going to be unfair because she didn't have the choice as to whether she could do it or do, do it or not anyway. No, she she definitely has to do at least next week's roadblock. I'm assuming the final leg will be two roadblocks, in which case they both have to do one, assuming they get that far. And, and with Chris, it would have been so great to see him do this roadblock, though, because I really wanted to see him vomit into the balloons while trying to blow it up. Chris has been sick for like half of the season now because he was sick during the uh, the windmill task in uh, the Netherlands as well. Because I I remember just I tweeted Logan just saying Logan, she, and she responded, "He was really sick." I'm not surprised he sounded like that. <laughs> That's hilarious. So he can't even do his normal voice. He just sounds that much more angrier and like an 80 year old woman who smoked too many cigarettes uh, when he's yelling at her <laughs> by this point he's been sick for like a week and a half at least and i'm guessing going through downtown agra is not helping matters with with getting better despite the fact this was a night like it probably still would have been like at least 25 degrees and about 85 percent humidity yeah and you include the smog and being in the downtown area of a third world country and things can get a little bit rough in that state i would think and the people slashing your nets slashing your nets that sounds that sounds brutal that sounds like a, an absurd form of castration slashing your nets i'm really disappointed that michelle didn't join us because her, her hypothetical intro was one lady who's never had her net slashed by an indian on a bike and we include the photo of the guy from the amazing race four on the train i'm not sure she would have approved of that one but i don't actually care (laughs) (laughs) and in a shocking turn of events this season logan and chris fight with more quotes than ever yeah i did like that they um they repeated the keep your name out of my mouth in the uh previously on section as well yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I I love Logan and Chris. I've said this for weeks. Logan and Chris are just another level of bickering couple. I love them for the same reason that I love any X team who's on the Amazing Race. Because they just never stop fighting. And it's awesome. Do this smart, Logan. <laughs> Don't talk to me. And then a one minute pause. Do this smart, Logan. Don't talk to me. <laughs> you have an angry face. <laughs> Keep your name out of my mouth. Logan! And then they end up talking about marriage. Mm -hmm. Everyone talks about marriage. What's with wedding tasks when they visit India? In fact, this leg was very similar to the one in Mason Race 13, where, because in Mason Race 13, that was with a really short pit stop, and they did a night leg immediately afterwards? Or was it the other way around? Did they do a night leg first in the Mason Race 13, or was it, like, the one, or was it second? Whatever it is. But yeah, back-to-back legs within, I think, Masonry 13. It was in Delhi that they did the back-to-back rounds. And they also had a nighttime wedding ceremony as well. And then here, same deal where it's a detour and it's a, and it's a wedding ceremony that's involved as well within the busy streets. To be fair, the difference between this leg and the Amazing Race 13 one is that in the Amazing Race 13 one, Tina actually arranged for a bigger wedding procession for him. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then everyone said, oh, Tina, you didn't actually arrange it. And then Tina responded with, well, if, if you didn't think I arranged the bigger wedding procession, uh, then you're delusional and unrealistic and stupid. Funny story for the listeners out there. Uh, Mark from Mark and Bill from the Amazing Race 13 did a, an unofficial AMA on Reddit recently. And I found the, and I found the thread and I asked him a bunch of sarcastic and witty questions. And one of them was, uh, I think I did directly ask if it was true that Tina arranged for a bigger flight in, uh, in Brazil. And then I think I said, said something else that she arranged that was bigger. But anyways, so I messaged him that, and then the response I got from him was, who is this? <laughs> I feel like I know who this is. <laughs> the Tarstorian returns. Yes. And um, Kelsey and Joey also think about marriage. Just slap it on her finger and get it over with. But we then learn that Joey was the biggest badass at Santa Monica, because he, he knows about, all about water balloons. Yes. He is, he, him and Elias Theodoro from Amazing Race Canada would have a lot of fun with water balloons. It's a great way to improve that task, actually, is make them not fill them with helium, but fill them with water. <laughs> yeah. And throw it at all the kids. You know, that would have been great for Tiffany. That would have been great for Tiffany, because while everyone's, you know, trying to slash, slash the balloons on her net as they go by on the road, she can just start chucking water balloons at them. <laughs> Yeah, but imagine them going past on a narrow bridge, popping her balloons, and then it just soaking her. <laughs> yes. And then their mascara starts running all over her face, and it's like, the amazing race is supposed to be fun! Supposed to be good and fun. And uh, the lights in Denise's town shut off about 9pm, although it's still inconclusive as to whether there's only one light that flashes yellow. You know what? That wonder if Alabama is just one big prison. Then is it just lights out at nine, and then the warden just shuts off the whole power grid in the state? We're begging. <laughs> Make it nine oh five. I love how my impression of Denise shouting "We're begging" just sounds like my uh, Jan from Survivor Thailand. <laughs> American. Oh, children. <laughs> <laughs> we got mail! I think at the near the start of the leg with all the teams, apparently every team was obsessed with saying, all you need to do is win the last leg, and then just going off about Dave and Rachel's record, which apparently is the only... You know, you think with a superfan, you even know all the active records that he could potentially break. But they're all talking about that last leg. And then I think Denise really screws up uh, the sentence, you know, like... All we have to do is just win the last leg, and then the normal person would say, period, end of story, I believe is the expression. And then with her, she said, all you have to do is just win the last leg, period, does the end. Having talked to Justin about this last week, he actually was unaware that there was another international record, thanks to Valerie and Bogdana. He actually hadn't heard of that until I told him. But now they're equal, it's so, you know, they have the US record. Yeah. I can imagine Valerie and Bogdana, like, in the middle of Kiev, Ukraine right now, with you know, all the conflict that's going on between them and Russia, and then they they read up an article online about Jess and Diana, and they just, like, cru- you know, just crush an orange in their palm or, like, uh, whatever, or chopsticks or something, and just snaps, like, <laughs> Death and rot! Stop making me do all my basic impressions today, please. Yeah, they're just super angry, like, oh, those, those damn American bastards took the one thing we had. 
Yeah, what's more impressive about Justin and Diana's legacy with this is that they did it with more teams left in the race. Valerie and Bogdana did it with the la- in the last five legs. Justin and Diana did it from leg six, which still had like seven teams left. And during the roadblock, Logan does her uh, impression of Margie. Did you notice this, Michael? I did not. <laughs> she's trying to do the roadblock, and the balloons are all popping, and uh, she's trying to get a handle of the net, and while the whole crowd watches, a lot of the kids are laughing. And she looked... <laughs> this is a direct quote. She said, I see you laughing. That's not nice. And that's rude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's where they cut off in the confessional, because producers know how much I love that Margie quote. You love that Margie quote. You've never mentioned that, Logan. <laughs> Logan is trying to love that Margie quote, and I'm laughing at him, and that's a road. He's had a deal with laughing at that Margie quote his whole life. Yeah, well, what's made even funnier is just Keisha's laugh. They couldn't have picked a better racer to have that laugh in nah. terms of the situation. <laughs> and she's a nervous laugher. And Justin is the first to finish the roadblock with Joey in second, Logan in third, but she loses some balloons on the way. Then we get to see the gloriousness that is Tiffany trying actually get across the bridge without anyone slashing her net. And she gets her clue in fourth, and then James Earl leaves in last. And teams must now find the Goyle bookstore, where the detour and a U-turn board await. U-turning before a detour, is this an international season? I don't know. Which... which... When has that happened? Well, I was referring to the must-vote U-turns there. Oh, okay. If you're unaware of the must-vote U-turns, it's basically the only thing that Amazing Race US hasn't tried to copy from the international season. Other than the face-off? Yeah. Or the not the face-off, but the original name of the double battle. Battle? Anyway, the must-vote U-turn is where there's a route marker right at the start of the leg where everyone has to vote for one team to get U-turned, or in the case of... Amazing Race Israel, they also do uh, yields for this. And after the detour, there is a board which tells uh, everyone who got U-turned and how many teams U-turned them and who. So if Justin and Diana had that twist in this season, they would have been royally screwed all three times. Yeah, they would have been absolutely knackered. But it is the way that Amazing Race Israel uh, combats teams being too dominant. It's just chuck them a must-vote U-turn. And just going back to Tiffany's um, net, there are a lot of questions over the past 24 hours as to why she still got the clue. And I have had the official ruling on this, and it is because it wasn't Tiffany's fault. If Tiffany would have accidentally slashed her own net and the balloons went flying, she would have had to go back to the start and fill them up again. Mm-hmm. But because some Aegis on a uh, on a bike went past with a knife or whatever and slashed it, she still got a clue because it's out of her hands. Yeah, I even wrote that down too, thinking, can I bet you she got the clue because it was sabotage, but intentional sabotage by locals rather than any misconduct or anything she did wrong during the task. And I'm glad that that's what it was because that would have been a really crappy way to go because Tiffany and Krista's whole experience this leg really brought back some amazing race for India memories where how they got tr- treated came off as being very sexist, sexist uh, overall. But, you know, everyone's sick of them going to India, despite the fact it's the first time in seven seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not complaining about them going to India at all, or even trying to make any sort of generalization about the country at all. But in a situation like this, I mean, it was really out of their hands, and the locals were actively seeking them out and sabotaging them and making fun of them the whole time. 
it always amazes me in terms of the Indian Bangladesh legs, just how many locals are hanging around to watch each individual route marker. And then Justin made the remark that, you know, in America, nobody, nobody cares about watching you do balloons, but here hundreds of people will watch. But little does Justin know that there's actually the balloon channel. Um, it's, I think it's like channel seven or something in India and it gets really good ratings. In fact, it, it got even greater ratings uh, than this season of The Amazing Race airing there. It's, I mean, because the Balloon Channel gets the Wednesday night time slot, and, you know, the producers there know that if you put a show on Friday night, it's going to get killed. So as long as it stays in Wednesday night, the, you know, the Balloon Channel is, is going to be alive and kicking. To be fair, its detractors do say that the ratings of the Balloon Channel were inflated. <laughs> yes, gotta laugh. <laughs> I try not to laugh, but it was painful. <laughs> oh, oh, Michael, oh, oh, you is Alan Wu in the room right now? Because that was that was a Wu style of pun. Just a little uh, pop culture reference for you there, Logan, and. Thanks to the fact that they told us they were going to do it at the start of the leg. Justin and Danette are the ones who you turn, Logan and Chris. Which I am not complaining about purely because we get to see more Logan and Chris fights this way. They get more airtime. Yep. And yeah, at least Justin and Diana were really smart with waiting until the last possible leg that can have a U-turn to use it. Yeah, I sort of didn't understand at the time why they didn't go for Kelsey and Joey, but as Justin said, if you're going to U-turn... Make sure the team goes home. Mm-hmm. Um, because Joey and Kelsey were pretty close to them in terms of departure times at the start of the leg, so I can sort of I can understand their I can understand why they did what they did. Plus the fact that Joey and Kelsey U turned Tanner and Josh. And what's hilarious about that that I didn't think about until right now is that Joey and Kelsey were Tanner and Josh's supposed closest allies that we saw in terms of the episodes at the start of the season. That's some serial killer shit. Mm-hmm. That's some heartless stuff. Mm-hmm. And God knows I love you, Joey and Kelsey. I've got a signed picture from you now, but that is heartless. That's cruel. You're so mean. And it's a detour, which is bring the groom or bring the fun. And in bring the groom, I'm, I'm just preparing for your interruption during this one. In bring the groom, teams must join a procession led by a groom with one team member holding a... Candelabra? Are you a candelabra? I can't believe editors did an Amazing Race 15 reference with specifically having Tiffany and Krista correctly identify a candelabra. They should have really, they should have made it into a mini, uh, mini switchback where it's like teams have to pick up a candelabra before doing this detour, which is in honor of Matt from the Amazing Race 15 searching for a candelabra. Are you a candelabra? Are you a candelabra? And the other team member has to push a generator through the streets of Agra. Uh, once they meet up with the bride, they'll receive their next clue. And in Bring the Fun, teams must transport a carnival ride through the streets of Agra to the same wedding. And give eight kids a ride to receive their next clue. Uh, both sides of the detour mean that teams receive the cr- clue from the creepiest looking clue giver we've ever seen. <laughs> yes. You missed out on the... I think it was at the detour explanation... Where we got to see that guy in the belly shirt that was just hanging around. Did you see the belly shirt guy? He was the best. And this is this is also true. The Goyle Bookstore, which is where teams found the U-turn board and the start of the detour, 
It was right next door to the Crab Bookstore and across the street from the really nice uh, Malfoy Bookstore. Yep, it's on Slytherin Street. Yeah, it's on Slytherin Street, and the people who run the bookstore are loosely related to one another. Uh, and after the U-turn, uh, Logan and Chris wanted to sever us all ties with Justin and Diana. Yes. That U-turn board was tiny. I think that might have the record for the tiniest U-turn board in history. I'm assuming it's the same U-turn board from last week, which was also tiny. It was really small last week as well. There's even budget cuts on U-turn boards. Uh, if we go with this bigger model, it's, uh, you know, 20 by 18. Uh, it's going to cost us an extra $50. But if we shrink it down, <laughs> we can have we can have a bit more money to go to this other root marker. And we get to see Kelsey and Joey thank Justin and Diana and say that they want an alliance with them to get to the final three because they didn't U-turn them. But as we mentioned a few minutes ago, if you have an alliance with Kelsey and Joey, they're going to cut you. Yes, Joey, Joey and Kelsey would, would would probably cut their nets off if they had the chance. Exactly, because they are psychopaths. And we get another mention of Joey and Kelsey wanting to get married. Although this time we get to see uh, Joey say, ooh, I want a procession at least this big, and Kelsey's just like, no, it's not happening. It doesn't happen on the $10 an hour uh, reporter salary. And then Logan and Chris. Just generally Logan and Chris. Logan's hand actions. Pocket! This feels like a feather! This is nothing! But yes, with Logan and, yeah, with the Logan and Chris, uh, still bickering quite a bit. Lots of yelling. Lots of yelling and shouting. See, all of the Haley haters last season, you think that Haley and, uh, Blair bicker a little bit? Got some news for you. It's called Logan and Chris. Yeah. How about two people who work in a profession where you have to be extremely competitive to get the right shot? And here they are being placed on the Amazing Race, where they have to do two sides of the detour just to not get eliminated. I was amazed, though, that they still that they didn't get thrown into last place because this round seemed even seemed as short as the India round from Amazing Race 13 that Nick and Star supposedly completed in an hour and a half. So I was amazed that the U-turn just didn't absolutely kill them this leg because James Earl must have really struggled at that roadblock due to the fact that their departure time was not that far behind Logan and Chris at the start of this round. Well, Denise and James Earl were an hour and five behind Logan and Chris. <laughs> oh, an hour and five, okay. Because we didn't do departure times, Justin and Diana were 5.10, uh, Kelsey and Joey at 5.18, Logan and Chris at 5.23, then Tiffany and Chris are at 6, and Denise and James Earl at 6.28. So, probably, I'm guessing that other... Say this, they saw the backtrack to where the other de- to get to the starting line of the other detour... So I'm, I mean, they both went to the same place, so it probably made it a lot easier. But uh, pro- I'm guessing they must have lost somewhere around half an hour, I would think. Yeah, it was half a mile for the wedding procession, at least. So I'm assuming it was about the same distance for the uh, carnival ride. So it's, it wasn't that far away, but it was pretty close by the look of things. And once teams complete their respective sides of the detail, or in Logan and Chris's case, both, uh, they have to head to the pit stop, which is actually inside the wedding party. The last team to check in here may be eliminated. And shockingly, for the fifth time in a row and the seventh time this season, uh, Justin and Diana win the leg and five grand each. And for some reason, Phil didn't mention this, but the US record for consecutive leg wins. Yeah, they, I don't think they were actively keeping track of that. I'm very surprised that no one in production realized that it, that happened. And it should be noted that if Logan and Chris had won $5,000 each, they would have given the kids $20. Lots of money. 
Yes. And shockingly, Kelsey and Joey came second, uh, with Tiffany and Chris in third, and Logan and Chris in fourth, leaving Denise and James Earl, Franny Face, in last. And I'm very glad that they got an emotional montage about how much they love each other, because I love them as well. And it should be noted that it really, that their elimination came full circle because as we talked about uh, a few weeks ago, Michael, <laughs> in the Netherlands leg where where uh, Cindy and Rick uh, get, got eliminated, how they didn't know whether they were last in last or not, but it was their outcome was spoiled because Denise and James Hill were already on the, on the mat doing the sarcastic clap cheering them on <laughs> as they reached the pit stop. So it's hilarious that three or four weeks later, Logan and Chris and Tiffany and Krista both are waiting at the pit stop as they <laughs> clap and cheer on Denise and James Earl, ending all the suspense that they got eliminated. Good, Good try, try guys. guys. Good try. Good try. <laughs> Solid fifth place finish there. <laughs> we even did both sides of the detour, and we still beat you. <laughs> and it's after 9 p.m. <laughs> it's lights out, Denise. So, yeah, I will obviously strongly miss Denise and James Earl. My love of them is very well known, as is my love of most of these teams, or all of these teams, actually. But it is, it's a massive loss for the season, because just her face, generally. She just has such good reactions to everything. I will go on record to say that Denise and James Earl probably even rank above Tony and Dallas for my favorite mother-son team. They're above Tony and Dallas. They're about 10 miles ahead of Marchie and Luke, and about 11 miles ahead of Susan and Patrick. I know that James Earl, especially, was a massive super fan, so it will be really disappointing for him to have gone out. So, not really early in the season, but I know he wanted to get the record as the highest placer of any uh, mother-son team. But let's be clear about it, guys. You beat Marchie and Luke on two of their three attempts, and you didn't have any sort of alliance like they had with Jamie and Cara. And despite the fact that Denise does not star in any gifts just yet, or in any memes just yet, we can make this happen. We just need a a good enough suggestion of a Denise meme. Yeah, uh, but the thing is, though, being a meme on my blog isn't necessarily an achievement, depending on the context. This time it probably would be. Yes, this time it would be with Denise, yes. Uh, so next time, teams head to Hong Kong, explicitly, and Macau as well. Uh, there is a water task and a shocking revelation at the mat. We need to talk more about the funny locals throughout this leg of the race. Like the creepy costume guy, I mean, he was creepy, but at least he had the sweet sombrero. Right before, right when Tiffany and Krista get up to the U-turn, about two seconds earlier, there's a, there's a local wearing a Saskatchewan Rough Riders jersey which is uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are a team in the Canadian Football League. I don't know if anybody caught that. It was probably left over from uh, Amazing Race Canada 3's leg in Delhi. Yeah, uh, the Bold of Mussolini's probably gave one of the locals uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders jersey. Uh, and there is a, right after the U-turn, uh, when all the kids are bombarding Tiffany and Krista at the tuk-tuk, um, there's a great shot of Krista shoving the one kid aside. and. When Joey is, I think it's when Joey is doing the roadblock when he's doing the balloons there. When he struggles with it a little bit, there's a it cuts to a, a shot of a kid who has the most un, unimpressed look on his face possible. It was probably the thing I laughed out loud uh, the loudest throughout the course of the episode. And what else do we have? There was something else. Oh, with Tiffany and Krista with the kids that were happy to see them with the. Uh, 
doing the black power salute, which amused me to no end, because they probably only had one free hand, so they couldn't cheer with both hands. And also, uh, when Tiffany and Krista are leading the groom up to the stage, Krista tells Tiffany to not be rude with taking the groom up on stage. And then as soon as she, as soon as Krista's up on stage, she starts doing the same thing that she told Tiffany not to do about 10 seconds earlier. And that's rude. It's, it's like the Conan O'Brien thing from The Simpsons where he's like, you sit perfectly still, only I may dance. Are we ready after 10 episodes to crown this a good season? Yes. Yes, we are. Especially with Tiffany nearly kissing a groom on the lips about a minute before he's going to get married on national TV. <laughs> At least it wasn't as awkward as uh, Major Race Canada 3's visit to disrupt a wedding. Yes. I object! No, give me my clue. Yeah, excuse me, excuse me, sorry, I know this is really awkward, but... Uh, so, what do you suspect is going to happen next week? I don't know, but I just want there to be another carnival ride where Chris just pushes a swing too hard to make kids uh, angry and vomiting all over the ride. I think that needs to be a requirement every episode. I think that's the most enthusiastic we've seen Chris at any task all season. Logan, push harder! Why does your Chris sound a bit like Rupert Bonham? <laughs> Death and Rod! Who the fuck voted for me? John! He's a snake motherfucker! And we also got the uncomfortable quote of James Earl saying he was really cranking it on that crank. That's something I never need to hear again. It could have been worse. We could have heard Denise cranking it. I was really working that crank! We worked on the crank together, and then it just snapped off. I mean, it did break off. Like, that's actually what happened with James Earl. He was working that crank, and he was kept going, and then it just it just didn't work anymore and snapped off. But it still emitted some steam. This is getting towards Yankast after dark now. <laughs> I have heard of rumours that there is going to be an elimination next week. I've heard that there is a final three for Tar 27. Only three teams run the final leg. So I don't think it's going to be a surprise. Oh, still a non-elimination, guys. But stranger things have happened. It's just weird, though, because it's supposed to be this whole outcome that we don't expect, and the teaser is that it looks like Justin and Diana get eliminated, which would lead one to think that maybe they don't uh, get eliminated, because that just seems too obvious. Maybe it's a keep-on-racing leg again, but with an elimination. Or, I have a theory, what if it's this next leg is strictly in Hong Kong, and it's a keep-on-racing leg, but the first half of the next leg akins back to old-school formula, where they have the first half of it in Macau, eliminate somebody there, and then they go to the United States to finish off the second half of the final leg. Stranger things have happened, actually, because teams would have to fly back from Hong Kong International Airport. There won't be... Well, Macau doesn't have a big enough airport to do it. They just direct them to Hong Kong. But, yeah, I could see that happening. Because we haven't heard one word about Macau being in the next leg. The only thing I would say is that that water task is in Macau, I think. Well, there goes my whole theory. <laughs> because there's a... Assuming I'm right, of course, when I got the ferry between Hong Kong and Macau, there was adverts for a massive water show in Macau. Okay. Which makes me think that that water task is in Macau. But I could be wrong. But yeah, they say, yeah, that three, or if Justin and Diana check in last place, but then all the other three teams all had a 30 minute time penalty, so suddenly they're in first, and Joey and Kelsey go home. Maybe Justin and Diana check in thinking that they're last place, 
and they're actually in the final leg, and that's why Justin collapses on the map, because he's like, oh my god, I'm in the final leg of the race, oh my god! And he's like, oh, you weren't expecting that, were you? He just collapses and just dies. Yeah. Justin becomes the first ever medevac from a final three, just because he hyperventilates. I'm in the final leg of the amazing race, and then he, you know that laugh he does? What if it's just like some crazed, it's like a crazed hysterical version even of that, and just because he's so overwhelmed by the thought of crossing the finish line of the amazing race. I've seen every season three times, I'm going to cross the finish line, I've got the international record, now I get the worldwide record, and oh, bam. I'm literally the only uh, person who speaks English who's ever seen Amazing Race uh, Ukraine. I knew of Valerie and Bogdana before you guys. <laughs> Give some that lecture. So we did have a a little suggestion of a question, which was, should Amazing Race only do one hopefully awesome season per TV year so it could dedicate its resources all in one and doesn't have to take shortcuts? Now, I think that implies that they've taken shortcuts this season, which they have not. Well, there is one major shortcut we have to discuss. And that is that there isn't a single self-drive leg all season long. Yeah, that's through necessity, though, I think, more more than anything, because Ford have pulled out of being a sponsor. Thanks, Bergen and Kurt. Yeah, Ford have now pulled out of being sponsors, so there's no cars on a leg, so it cost, actually costs them money to get the insurance and cars. So they've just given them taxis. Yeah, like I, I've been talking about, oh, they should just do one season per year as well and just have one really kick-ass season. But the downside to doing that is that what's really important in competitive reality TV is that you stick to a schedule and you have momentum. I think I really want it to be cut down to one season per year, but then if they cut back and people start forgetting about the amazing race and having any interest in it, then it's very possible that it's just going to backfire. And then you have zero seasons of the amazing race and also amazing race canada 3 proves that even having one season a year isn't necessarily a good one mm-hmm. i mean i love the casting of amazing race canada 3 up until final six and then it just goes off the rails a little bit what you mean you didn't like sudbury or edmonton or seeing Halifax again or vancouver again whilst you getting cast on Tark for and it being like, a Seoul Canada season would be hilarious. No, I would much rather see a lot of international travel and read your complaints blog of people going, oh my god, I can't believe you're going to Commonwealth countries instead of going to beautiful Ikaloween Nunavut. <laughs> yes, it's back to, it'll be a keep on racing leg in Ikaloween Nunavut. <laughs> and they just keep finding things to do there in the snow. Beautiful Burnaby, British Columbia. Go to Simi and Opie's house. Bring them pizza. With the greeter Nate from Big Brother Canada 2. <laughs> Nate from Big Brother Canada 2 just standing there. It's like, man, this is as much airtime as I got in Big Brother Canada as well. <laughs> exactly. That, this is the level that Tal Canada's going at. It's kind of hilarious. But yeah, Logan for Amazing Race Canada 4. Logan and Ryan, winners of Amazing Race Canada 4. Yeah. <laughs> Predictions for uh, the penultimate week. Historically, the team with the worst average of the final four goes home in the final four. There are exceptions, Andy and Tommy, teams like that. Simeon Opie are a great example of this happening. So, cynically, I'll say Tiffany and Krista, but I'll be disappointed whoever goes, honestly. I love all four of these teams. I loved all five of the final five. Less Tanner and Josh, but, you know, I'll, I'll be disappointed anyway. 
I think Logan and Chris will be going. But then we will get to see them feud their way to the finish line. I just think that they're getting the whole satisfactory fourth place elimination edit. Yeah, it's either a really satisfying one or one that ends up having an emotional montage with string music and that sort of stuff. If Joey and Kelsey go, I think it will set up an amazing final round because it'll set up such three different teams to have Justin and Diana... Logan and Chris and Tiffany and Krista with all of their crazy dynamics all entering the final round. If Tiffany and Krista and Justin and Diana are both there, we will have something in the final leg that I can't remember ever happening, which is two teams in the final leg with a hometown advantage. Because the final leg takes place in Long Island, which I believe is where at least Krista is from, if not Tiffany as well. Justin is obviously a New Yorker as well. Bronx. Yeah, so... At least a home state advantage. And arguably New York State is huge. I know I've been to both ends of it. But yeah, it's. I don't think that has ever happened before. Or at least I can't remember it happening before. And this is where Logan is going to probably prove me wrong. Probably by looking into any like, any season that finishes in California. Nope, no, nothing, uh, nothing wrong about that. So who, who do you think is going next week? Logan and Chris? Yeah. But you would rather it be Kelsey and Jerry? Yes, I don't have anything against them whatsoever, unlike other Final Fours or Final Fives that we've had in the past. I just think that would be the most interesting uh, group of dynamics to have going into the final round. I will say that this Final Five is probably my favourite since Amazing Race Australia 2, in terms of I will be really disappointed no matter who goes home. And I am really disappointed that Denise and James Earl have gone because Denise is a star, and so is James Earl. But I can't, I can't think of another Final Five since Amazing Race Australia 2 that I've loved. And arguably, Amazing Race Australia 2 had probably the most perfect cast in reality TV history, but you'll get there. Soon enough. Yeah, 27 didn't have that level of a perfect cast, because there were a few duds, but at least the duds went home early enough. Oh, imagine if, like, Team TMZ were in the India Lakes, we would hear, like, the most racist and condescending stuff come out of their mouths and I would just want to punch them. It'd be Freddie and KK Kendra part two. Yeah. Oh, this is sort of, this is so ghetto. So on that wonderful image, thank you very much for joining us. You can join both of us again, hopefully with Ben and Michelle next week to recap episode 11. If you enjoyed the show and even if you didn't, please give us a like on YouTube and subscribe and rate the episodes on iTunes. If you want to see what we're rambling about this week, you can follow Yattencast at Yattencast or as individually at MJ Harmsdone and at Logspookwacky, both of which are spelled in the descriptions everywhere. And finally, if you missed any of our interviews throughout the entire podcast, so that's Mike and Michelle from Major Race 26, Joe and Bill from Major Race 1, and Kat and Jesse from Major Race Australia versus New Zealand, all of those are also linked everywhere as well, and also on iTunes. Thank you again, and see you next week. Hashtag 250, hashtag yet and cash, hashtag Wacky, hashtag I think I just spit a little bit over my screen. Peace! Peace out. Eight out. Yeah.